Okay, welcome to the first beer roundtable. We have to think of a better name for this. Uh, Spotlight Report is back for the fall semester, and we're trying something new out here. We're going to do a roundtable while the members have beers, and we're going to talk about some topic uh, interesting or important to the sciences. So this week we are going to talk about discussing science with people who are not in the sciences, and more specifically, people who may disagree with a particular science theory. So, we have Neil Momsen here, and we have Eddie Levia. Yeah. Uh, sorry, let me get that one right. Mr. Edward Levia. Yeah, thanks. Hey. Yeah, let's kick it off. What do you guys think? Uh, someone comes up to you, they say that vaccines cause autism. <laughs> you say, yeah, definitely. I instantly think of that sketch where Google's a person. <laughs> I have all of these documents that say it's not, and one that says it is. See? I told you so. So, there, yeah, so... It's there, a can of worms. There's so many sides to this, um, and part of the reason we brought it up is that there's a lot of people, like, dear, near and dear to us, who, friends, family, um, who may legitimately have some concern or some misunderstanding, or even just some, like inquisitiveness about some scientific idea and the question is like what do you do so are you in that space of do i teach well i think you're always trying to teach right that's like step one but i guess the question is is are you trying to do it in a way that is countering them meaning what you said is incorrect the correct answer would be blank or do you feign the harshness of science for some wiggle room to continue to encourage them to be excited about the topic, right? Which kind of how I'm thinking of how you may go about answering these questions. And I would suggest that might be mood dependent on yeah. where you are in that day when you hear that topic. So here's, here's, here's what I'd like. I want to hear... I'm going to set up a scenario, and I want to hear what your guys' response would be. So the scenario is, first of all, a complete stranger comes up to you, and they say, because this literally happened to me at the Festival of Books. A complete stranger came up to me, and he was like, oh, you do optics. Uh, why don't you think the Earth is flat? Like, you can't prove it. What's your response? Wow. I will give. I'll give my response so you guys can. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so you guys can think about it. Uh, my response is like, I, I, I took Eddie and I were talking about this earlier that the West Coast children uh, will be a little bit uh, different in response than East Coast children. My response is like, dang, well, uh, the Earth is definitely round. Um, I think that there's a lot of evidence to support that. And the guy was like, yeah, but like it's flat dude you don't get it and i was like all right man fair enough you know like it's definitely round but all right whatever that was my response and i thought that it was i don't know i don't know if that's a good response or not so are you obliged as a scientist to get him or her to the point of agreeance with the scientific community is that do you feel that's your obligation I feel like my obligation as a scientist, regardless of who I talk to, I view science as 
this is this is kind of deeper to the conversation. I view science as humans are coming up with theories and mechanisms to describe physical reality. And I'll give the caveat that none of those descriptions are accurate because everything that we perceive is flawed because we're human. So it's not going to be like a perception of reality. It'll be our perception, right? It's not like, it's not, this is reality. It's our perception of reality. So there's always going to be some wiggle room and flaws to our theories and our models. And that's why science constantly questions them and makes them better. That's how I view science. So my perception is like, it's super exciting when someone questions it and you should have a conversation because that's part of science. But there's also points when you know, when someone comes up to you and they uh, have a shirt with a fat joint on it and they say like, dude, the earth's flat, you know it's not gonna be a conversation. Like you, like you know, you know that you're gonna be like, all right, let's discuss this. And they're gonna be like, tight, you're wrong. This earth's flat, we're on the back of a tortoise in space. So how about this? I'll give Neil plenty of time to have a fantastic yeah, Neil better. Neil better have okay, good. the correct I, I, response. <laughs> how about this, though? Here's what I'm thinking. Now that you're... The, the more I'm sitting on it, the more I'm chewing on it. What if we... What if we take our scientist hat and turn it around for a second? It's crazy, Tom. <laughs> it wouldn't look good at all. Come on, Andy. <laughs> think about... Think about a bowler backwards. It's kind of like a bowler forward. Right? No? Is that not the Okay. You take your fedora off, and then you ask this gentleman, or Leave lady, the trench coat on. Or lady. Right? What if you ask them to tell you how to test whether the Earth is indeed flat? Right? I, I think about some of these interesting debates on scientific theory and... Uh, uh, pop culture science where there are these tidbits of information therefore they're gospel and dogma and you know, nothing else this is the answer and instead of trying to reason your way out of a seemingly unreasonable claim or statement instead to turn the scientists as what we do every day is say well how can I test this right I assume or think that this may be the case. How may, can I go about the scientific, apply the scientific method to indeed see does my theory meet observation? And try to teach from a perspective of them explaining it. Make, it does, make them a scientist. Right, because it does two things, right? It first challenges them to explain their belief set or, believe, or their theory, right, which causes internal thinking. And second... It may be that it's their job to unravel their misconception of what we have observed to be true versus you trying to counter what they're doing. You know what I mean? And I wonder what that looks like. I wonder where the conversation goes there. I like that a lot. I like yeah. That a lot. yeah, I was thinking kind of the same lines in terms of, you know, we're scientists, so we ask questions. And just, you know, an easy kind of almost sassy question is, okay... So where does the Earth end? Right, right. Ask them to tell you that because at that point, then right. And I think it's you know if you're and that's a phrase where you're getting that question right. If you're at a, a global flat Earth science family committee going on, right? You're at a conference there. You may indeed ask that question. Yeah. Right. You may indeed say, "So tell me the extents." Right. Right. What are the extents? Right. Asking someone to design how to test something 
challenge is fundamental understanding like mechanisms. Like, what do you do? What do you design? Right? And then you can simply ask, right? Okay, let's say you drive a car. Right? We'll test it by driving a car. Okay? And you can ask them, great. And if you drive a car, has that ever been done before? Is it is it possible? Right? And you can start to lead them down these different these different postulates. Okay, right. well, if we can't drive a car, maybe we need to fly a plane. Oh, interesting. Planes can cross oceans and land. They can cross all kinds of things. Have there ever been... Has there ever been anyone who has flown a plane across the world, right, and used their, 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 you know, own vocabulary for that, for that perspective? Because here's the thing: science is treated in the mainstream and in, in pop culture, in general society, as a uh, ivory tower, high horse type of philosophy. There's people with calculators that tell you that two plus two equals four, and that these are the answers and the ways to be monsters. I think I think the, the part of it in is their hats turned back, and they're just they're. I don't even know which side the bowler is on, right? I don't know what and why they even found a store that sells them, right? There's different questions that they're they're looking at. I think trying to bring people into the conversation and experience science is a more powerful tool in the sense of trying to a include and b be more human right understand that people all don't think like we do as scientists and this goes to i want to i i don't i don't really want to touch on this now i want to bring up a separate case but this goes to something i would like to talk about which is kind of the public perception or non-scientists perception of what science is which i think unfortunately is somewhat dogmatic but we'll get there the next question I want to pose you, because you guys obviously would have handled this flat earth question better than I did. I would not have said no, that I at would, the time. No, I I'm going to admit either. that right now. You guys would have been standing behind <laughs> me. You would have seen my response and then formulated we yours. We started laughing yeah. at you probably. Yeah. Well, now I have that response. Yeah. I'm quite excited to try that. And see That's it. what <laughs> it's tough, because it's an honest question. Maybe someone honestly is like, well, dang, I really, really, I, I read something online. Uh, and I really believe you have this question. That's fine. That's not like a sin to be ignorant. Right. And it's an honest question. Uh, but that's not often how we respond. So the next one is, um, let's say that you have a family member who says that they just read a great study and they cured uh, cancer. Science cured, cured cancer. They read it. It's reported. It's online. They read it on the Google. <laughs> cancer is cured. Cancer is cured. What do you? What's your response? Well, my first response is which kind of cancer? Because there's, you know, a myriad of different. You are such types a scientist. Of... <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm using the word myriad. No, I think that's a good point. I think that's yeah. a good point. It, yeah, there's different different kinds of brain cancers. I think both anyway, of so. you guys have. I'm just point. breaking his balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be real in this podcast. Well, that no, that's I mean, the part of the beers. It's no, we, but very fair, true. I think that it's a valid point, though, especially what you said. Actually, both of you guys said. The average, every every human has like a nascent fear of dying or of cancer. Yes. Or of understanding the world. So the world's a crazy, crazy, Complex. insane place. Yep. You're tossed into it. You try to figure it out. Every person has this 
natural reaction and be like, wow, what's going on? It's 100% normal if you're not studying cancer to be like, oh, thank God. (laughs) I don't have to worry about (laughs) dying from this horrific thing. Right. And it's 100% natural if you're studying cancer to be like, I have smashed my head against the wall for years. What type of cancer are we talking about? What mechanism? Right. So there's two totally disparate views when you're talking about this. Right. Right. So I guess, again, what do you want them to know? Right. What, what is the, what, we should start to ask questions like, why are you so upset? Why are you so off put by the question or what causes you to go down whatever path you want to go down? Right. And part of it, I'm going to challenge all scientists to actually do the thing that they don't like to do, which is consider people, right? Consider they might not want your question to their statement or answer, right? Right. We do that naturally, right? And so everyone, if anyone does listen to this, right, you want to you want to know something first of all. I promise you that everyone at this table is not talking from a point of we are super smart and we are here to educate everybody else. It's the opposite. It is quite the opposite, right? <laughs> we are the children who are three and constantly point at things going, why, 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 why? And you go down that endless rabbit hole. This is not a function of we think we're smarter. This is not a thing of power or superiority. We don't know how to turn off the why question, right? How does this why and thing... How and- Yes, I just... Highly skeptical. I want to know. I just... It's so... And it's this weird force that drives you. So that's... I I just wanted to phrase that before we keep flapping our gums about people asking legitimate questions when they're not cancer oncologist researchers, right? Right. You know, is oncology cancer? Yes. Okay, thank God, right? Yeah. There's another note to sign. Just don't step out of your field because you might not be in the right spot. But almost to flip and say, let's be human about that, right? What do they want to get out of a response, right? You can, because you can take that question anywhere you want. You could say, one cancer, one research for one type of cancer that might, you could teach them about how difficult experiments may be, or how difficult these problems may be, how complex they may be. And they solved it by some unique experiment, or this works for this space. You could explain to them population studies, statistics, right? They tested the sample size that said 85% curable. Well, that 85% is on a thousand person human trial. That representative to the population we may find is grossly inadequate. It might turn out to be 40% on a and global they, scale. And they would have been 75%. Right. right. You could say, you could talk about things like, well, this is, you know, this is curable to this rate. However, this is only, you know, has a potential health impact because of such and such. Won't be covered by uh, insurance. It it may be a drug that takes too long to synthesize. It may be uh, a a, a practicality and distribution. There may be patent law that exists that might restrict it from some areas, right? So it it becomes, I I would beg the question of what does the scientist want to convey, and where is the person really drawing their question from, right? And, and, and how do you kind of want to answer that? That's very interesting as well, too. Well, and it, yeah, in the case of cancer in general, it's it's always tricky because it's very, um, every case is unique, basically. It's a very heterogeneous population. Right. And so, and, and something we're overlooking as well is 
Okay, so there's a difference, obviously, between brain and lung cancer, say, but there's also a difference between stage 1 versus stage 4 cancer. You know, stage 4 cancer, there a lot of times, I'm not speaking as a, speaking as a medical professional in, in any case, but at that point, they're kind of more of a palliative, ease their pain type of care versus trying to treat you. Right. Um, and so... Yeah, the differences between trying to treat those and trying to cure those is just worlds apart. And the other thing that you have to keep in mind, which, you know, it's a very non-intuitive part of science, part of mathematics in general, that most of the population doesn't understand, is just, you know, the power of statistics. Oh, you know, right. it, like, it, it, this is also another can of worms, in that, you know, if you do a, a statistical test and you say, you know, hey, there's a... We have a p-value, say. My p-value. Your p-value is less than, than 0.05, which is you know the standard gold standard. It really turns out that that's a terrible standard. But in because, the, yeah, I was gonna say in, because in, a random test, you know, randomized tests, you have about a five percent chance of getting that data. So one out of twenty times. Right. You're just gonna get that that data by random. Right. So you're gonna base all of your cancers cured type headlines off of. Five percent chances. Can I can I pose a question right now? Yeah. It's very similar to this topic. And from what Neil was saying, it was very interesting because you just touch on a point of statistics, which to someone who's trained in mathematics and science, that's going to be a topic area that you know very well and you know the importance of. I want to pose this question. What is the general scientific and mathematical level that we should expect expect or deem appropriate as a society that the average person should attain. And where I'm phrasing that is how much, right, because I think about that question, right? You just said everyone gets cured cancer. And I'm going, well, how far do we take it, right? Because I, so many times people go, oh, I'm bored. I don't want to listen to this anymore. Right? They tune out. What, what should we as a society hold acceptable in terms of understanding mathematics and scientific doctor or, or, or literature uh, as a base value, and that can talk about public education, that can talk about a lot of different areas, but kind of just generally, that's very. It's, I don't know, actually. And that's what that's where I think it's very important for you to have very good analogies in order to explain something like you know versus. If I say, well, their p-value is 0.05, and that's kind of a garbage p-value, you know, that means something to some people, but to other people, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's just jargon, and and they're like, neat, that's cool. But if you say, well, you know, if you take a bunch of different tests that are very similar, like this one, and one out of 20 of them will just randomly produce these results, and that's what that p-value means, then you're like, that's not a very good value to be using. Well, in, and I and I know. think that that places the rigor on you. Yeah, which is, which is fair. If you're going to if you're going to take the position of like, look, scientifically this is questionable, the rigor now is on you. You have to be able to understand it and to explain it. Uh, I have so uh, someone in my family did not go to college, but they have read. Certainly more than I have read on uh, climate change. And they are skeptical of the impact 
that humans have on climate change. And their point particularly is like, man, well, these are a lot of models and there's a lot of statistics in it and there's a lot of like opportunity to, uh, to consciously or unconsciously kind of massage how you want your simulations or your statistics to come out. Right. Every, everything stated, I 100% agree with. Very fair. Right? So, my, totally, totally separate from that topic, but my point of view is you don't have to have high expectations for, like, people's level of education or people's level of scientific attainment. You have to have high expectations that it will be a logical and rational conversation. I, I want to say right now, I, th- I as I as I posed my question, I immediately started thinking about this, and you think you've hit it on the head. We should expect, as a society, not on the basis of science, of science or mathematics, but we should hold the standard for the average person to exemplify and excel at critical thinking and reasoning. Right. Right. I would suggest those are far more beneficial tools because of their versatility and application when trying to interpret data or information. Right. Especially in an age where information is so ubiquitous. Right? And I think that may be the true failure of public education or you know, second, you know, right. younger year kind of education. In the, yeah, I, I want to add that I have heard so many times over like, man, you are so lucky that you are so smart and like like you got to get your PhD haven't gotten it yet but hopefully Maybe. I will obtain it someday yeah. one day uh, but like yeah like you're so lucky you're so smart and like you get to do science and then they'll follow it up with like yeah I just read the science report cancer is cured or anything literally anything I want it like I want to make that clear literally anything science Quote, science, or hashtag science is proven. Because we live in, a, in an, a day and age where you can find any article that will support your point of view, or any scientific paper or research paper, or pop science article that says, like, yeah, your point of view is accurate. Whatever it is. It literally doesn't matter what it is. Uh, the earth is cooling. The earth is warming. Vaccines are good. Vaccines are bad. Cancer is cured. Cancer is not cured. You'll find a lot more of those. I will. I will pause it. Uh, and it's not. It's not a matter of like how smart you are. It's not a matter of how much education you had. It's a matter of being like a critical thinker. Uh, you do not get into graduate school because you're smart. Only. Uh, I think that you get into graduate school because you're passionate about it. Right. And you learn as you go. And, you, and you're and you in the experience of, and not only graduate school, but like generally in the sciences, you get into the experience of you learn as you go and you have to face a new problem and figure out like, how you figure it out. Perhaps then from the start of our podcast, from the start of our question, the burden of the scientists to the public or perhaps not the burden, but the opportunity for the scientists to the public. Let's take the Daywook approach. Right. The super fun, exciting opportunity. Right. Which, in all actuality, it is. To teach, to teach someone or have someone learn about your stuff is fundamentally exciting. When you can see the, the, you see the excitement and the light bulb go off when they kind of get 
right, you right. know, A and plus B. So perhaps the, the opportunity of the scientists and the general public may be that we should not be challenging whether or not the thing coming out of their mouth is factual or based on any sort of evidence, but can you rationally prove or can you at least critically think about your statement and have a discussion based upon that? Yeah, instead to promote critical thinking and as I'm, opposed to telling how yeah, it is from your, your perspective. I'm going to say something that if we do have any listeners, uh, will certainly scare them off permanently. <laughs> I think that that's a fundamental problem with scientists or with uh, PhDs or experts, quote experts. You hear it commonly in politics. You don't want to trust the experts. Uh, the experts are out to get you. They're lying, etc., etc. And I think that's to some extent a valid point. Like, fundamentally, our perspective and our job as scientists is like, wow, there's so much exciting, insane reality happening. Right. How do we observe it and describe it and test it? And we find flaws in what we've previously described. Like, it's constantly this question. Um, well, you start to teach what science actually is in that perspective. Right. I mean, we know it from being on the inside of it because we are losers and decided to go down <laughs> five to eight year path of just doing scientific research. Right. Right? So we've gotten, we've been fortunate. I will, so someone says you're lucky to go to grad school. Yes. There's a very big portion of you that's lucky to go to grad school. A hundred percent. I'll never not say that. Right? However, you know, it's almost like when you get a certain piece of critical information, right? Uh, uh, a secret or something that impacts many or something along those lines. It almost becomes a duty to try to then pass that forward or tell the proper authority or whatever the circumstance. Right. As a scientist, you've been given that gift of seeing how, seeing what it means to rationally think and challenge and experiment and criticize and uncover at the highest level, you must pay that gift forward then. Right. Somehow try to get others to do the same thing where they could use that in their daily life. Right. And make no mistake. Uh, it's not like a casual thing to be like, wow, OK, I totally accept you're you uh, are an expert or like very knowledgeable in this field. I'm going to jump in and ask a question. I might look like an idiot. Yeah, That's right. like a big thing. Right. You know, definitely. And, and I think that the better response just as being a like kind human is to be like, wow, that's so cool. Right. You find this interesting. Yes, right. let's talk right. about it. Instead of what exactly what I did in, in the case of the flat earth thing, instead of being like, huh, flat earth, dummy. Right. You know? Because cool, that's your, great. But let's that's your natural I could see that natural reaction. Yeah. But we have to temper that. Right. Right? Because there's been many times I'm sure all three of us sitting in this room or at this table where we are this room. Uh it had just a really, you know, in context, really dumb, dumb question. Oh, dude, where yeah. you just maybe you, you the know, first, eight a.m. Yeah. five hundred two class, and you're just like, ah, oh, geez, does that ray really go there? And you're yeah. like, yeah, it does. You know what I mean? This that sounds stupid, but there's been times where we ask dumb questions. But the fact of the matter is, is we we're in an environment where you can ask the dumb question, and your peers may laugh at you or something, or get a, a little bit of a giggle off of it. But we're still pretty unafraid to ask that. 
ask, have someone challenge an expert. Have someone right. try to promote an opinion. Or just go on their own research, right? They may be researching just as your family member did, saying, I looked and read all these articles and I made my decision or made my interpretation. And you don't want to discourage that. Right. You want to applaud their effort for doing so, but then help them be better at discerning their rational, critical thinking. Does this really meet observation? Does this really confound with all of the supporting evidence? Right. Or is there something different? And the something different part, I think, is the is the really powerful, important piece. Yeah, and I think that you described it super eloquently in your original in the original question I posited. Basically, your statement is you elevate them such that we're equals, or you or you uh, de-elevate. That's not obviously. I have no shame. I don't mind looking like an idiot. But you 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 guys are equals. You can come at me with a question, and your response was great. Please explain it to me. Right. Please explain like what are your facts of this situation that you you think is or your right. theory. How do we? You're now you're it. now equals. Let's come. We're let's all right. Meet me. Because in that sense, I don't think you lose yourself as a scientist because I don't, you know, part of what we do is is so childlike. It's so blissfully stupid. It's bananas. Why not? Yeah. I literally play with lasers. Oh, yeah, what you go, why not? Yeah. Is this, is this ridiculous? Well, I don't know. We could definitely just probe some stuff for a little bit and see if it's ridiculous. Right. I could pop it into this computer program and see if it's ridiculous. What is, there's not, there's, that is, that is absolute childlike whimsical. Right. If I hold this magnifying glass up, what, all these ants, they pour ants, they light on fire, but it's, that's interesting. I wonder why that happens. So, I try to, you know, having sit here and, and, and thought about it, I try to attempt the same thing, like, share your passion, because right. that's the passion. It's not the slaving away at a machine for six hours a day collecting data. It's not... In, in, in scrutinizing and analyzing, make sure your coordinate system is correct and that your statistical analysis is accurate to a you know p-value of oh, 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 one, right? Like, that's not your passion. Your passion is the lie. Your passion is that curiosity, right? And flipping that is, is probably going to get us a much better long-term than it is just telling everybody, no, you're wrong. Yeah. Neil agrees. Uh, Neil also finished his beer before both of us. Yeah, do you, do you need a second beer? No, I'm good right now. I'm happy to pause it. I'm, I'm good. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that part of that is uh, realistically that uh, I don't want to speak for you guys, and I'm certainly not speaking for all, uh, quote, scientists, but I think that part of that is that, like, spoiled child reaction of being like, man. I'm not in like the in popular group. I don't get to go have fun all the time. I sit in front of a computer for weeks and for hours and I do stupid statistical analysis or modeling or I repeat the same experiment. Or if you're me, you take a data set over two hours, accidentally delete it, and have to retake it. But like you spend so much time being a robot. Uh, we yeah. talked about this in our podcast. Yeah. You, you are you feel not human, right? And part of the response at the end of it is to be like, when you're actually talking to a human. Yeah, like part of it at the end of it is to be like, God damn it! I went through so. I feel like I went through so much. Beep boop bop. You are wrong. Right. You better respect me. Um, and I and that's that's definitely that's a, a flaw of the human though. Yeah, that's a flaw of your work tells you your work can tell you you're wrong. 
Hence why we should become more robot. Hence, we should just fully we embrace. Should be robots. We I should think? fully embrace yeah, okay. the future and become robots now. I am still waiting for my cyborg enhancements to make me over six foot, but I have yet to see. <laughs> I anything. have. I have exciting news for you. They have something called platform shoes. They're gonna blow your mind. All the single ladies out in the podcast universe, all three of you that may be in science, I am close to six foot, but I. <laughs> It's like a Tinder profile via podcast. I'm <laughs> so, so, so now that uh, you've gotten your free advertisement out, if any, you think anybody's gonna call or no, if there are any single ladies, please email and uh, I will advise you what what <laughs> email is. Um, here's the next. Here's here's the next uh, avenue of this conversation. I think that we've. I, I certainly feel satisfied on that approach. I can't believe we actually got to that. I can't either. I'm blown <laughs> away. So I'm, I'm going to see how far we can push this. Uh, oh, my I think that's really satisfying. I was talking to another friend of mine. And he, uh, he's quite... He's extremely intelligent and also cynical. I don't think he would be upset if I described him as such. Uh, his approach was that Neil deGrasse Tyson will ask someone, what would it take... What evidence would you need to accept that what you think is wrong. And I think that's kind of okay, but I also think it's not okay. Because you're inherently putting them in a position of like, well, you're wrong. And what do yes. I need to do to show you you're wrong? Kind so, of also, too, of your point of coming to my level. I now need to outprove the expert, right? Like, yeah. you can't ask anybody yeah. reasonably to do something like that. And we're using you up to cross this as an example, but like, it's like going to an auto mechanic and saying, well, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, Whatever, your starters, your fuses are out. Your starters are done. You know what I'm saying? Well, you can go check your fuses and put a right. meter in those and go, yeah, okay, maybe. Or if he goes in there and tells you, oh, you blew out a piston in your engine. Well, right, like, prove right. me wrong. Oh, yeah, well, I don't really know much about engine mechanics. So right. a little bit harder to do. Probably yeah. going to tip my hat to that one. And, and, like, in the case of, there. In the case of the flat earth thing, one of the things I thought about stating was like, man, well, you can walk around the earth, see where you end up again. And you feel, I felt pretty clever after that. It is also totally unrealistic. Right. I have yeah. never walked around the earth. Right. I never will, unless right. I'm really bizarrely lucky or unlucky. Um, and like, it's, it's unrealistic. This is what you're saying. Oh, you go test the piston. How the hell am I going to test, you know? So I really like your approach of like, great, let's talk about it. We're equals, but we're going to have this as a scientific, rational let's, conversation. Well, let's both be scientists. Right. You, you come, you tell me some things. Tell me what, you know, you would test. How do we go about this? Right. Right. What, what do you know of evidence that's, that's interesting? Right. Because in your, in your space, you're looking at it going, okay, I can discover something new. Right. Someone has the ability to teach me something I didn't know before. Maybe my perspective changes Maybe I find a way to meld the two things, and that becomes the correct approach. And and I want to add the last caveat, unless Neil has something to add. You've been terribly quiet. Yeah, well, you got to you got to quit hiding behind your bowler already. <laughs> I turn that bowler around. <laughs> we won't even know it's a different direction. Just I want to add that a personal uh, note, which is that my uh, my father who is extremely interested in science and math. He certainly does not have, like, a higher education in it. My grandmother, uh, on both sides, gen like, generally, outside of my mom, my mom uh, obtained a very high level of education, very successful. But outside of my mom, my family members 
uh, and probably most everyone's family members didn't obtain high levels of education. If you go back two generations to your grandparents, it is normal to not have graduated elementary school, or like middle school, to not get to eighth grade. Relatively. Potentially. Or if you go back... That's an interesting podcast topic that I was curious to explore. But... Because I would argue... But, okay, at least in my... So, in my case. But... And not personally. Okay, fair enough. But I'm just saying in my case. So, I... So, my... I don't need to go through all my family history. By and large, the average for my grandparents was, like, fifth grade or below. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> but anyways... But, my parents, grandparents graduated high school. It's actually a good point, now. It's an interesting... Anyways. Yeah. I'm sorry. But... They are the no, most. I'm, sorry. Splen- <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> we're halfway through a beer. Yeah. Know. They're. I mean, my grandparents were so cool, and they mean no less to me because they didn't obtain a higher level of education, right? And You'd be a pretty big asshole if you were. Well, you know what? Uh, gonna. Yeah. He's gonna stop Nana's cookies yeah. because she's not. Wrapping a PhD off. No, no. Yeah, I don't need to hear your conversation. <laughs> Get out of here with your dumb ideas. Not a tool house does not have more nutrition than Pillsbury. It's that's test it. Tell me your method of baking, and we're gonna go through this here. My argument sucks when it talks about Listen, cookies. Let's talk about flat Earth, Nana. More grandma's kisses. Okay. Uh, but but my my point is that they're super smart. My grandpa could grow anything right like he had a skill as a gardener and outside of that uh and like such a wide variety of fields and i think that that really impressed upon me of like and i want to add that they were so excited whenever i talked about my research or whatever i was doing in school so i think it's so exciting to have the opportunity to be like whoa I get to do this stuff, and I get to talk about it, and we get to talk about it. There, like, there's nothing lesser about someone who hasn't obtained a higher level of education. Because we phrase we phrase intelligence and IQ as this, like, holy grail. Intelligence yeah. has nothing to do with your book scores, your right, right. level of education. I would even argue that it is a factor of our conversation just now of saying your grandparents probably have exceptional critical thinking skills. I think that is the true separator between people of higher education or higher intellect versus those not. It's who are those that are willing to challenge and ask why and reason that you will interpret as these folks are very intelligent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's that IQ thing is not, you don't need to go to, you don't need to get a PhD to, to be highly intelligent. That's, that's, that's not, right. That's not a thing at all. You know what I mean? I worry that we slip into spaces where we get lazy. You know, we steal the headline. That's the fact. We hear it from a friend that's trusted. That's a fact. Do you know what I mean? And we, we, we stop asking why. That's the part that scares me. That's yep. where I, would not like to see generous society. So here, I want to I want to bridge into the second I'm half of this conversation. I want to bridge into the second half of this conversation. There is a concept called Omenian conversations. Um, I will put up a link to this. Uh, there are two excellent essays about it. I'll put up a link in the podcast. 
The idea is that if you have two rational actors, so Neil and I, or Ed and I, we both hold... I see that you picked Neil first. Okay, well, it's, well yeah. let me rephrase this. We have two rational actors. So Neil and I... Where are the Neil rational actors? Okay. All right, all right. Ed and Neil, Ed and Neil both observe some phenomenon. Um, a car performs a hit and run. Uh, Neil observes that it is a blue Camry. Ed observes that it is a red Tahoe. What an idiot. Yeah. Anyways, Ed's obviously wrong. Kick him out. Okay. <laughs> okay. For, for, so, jokes aside. Come on. What kind of beer box? Come on. This is right? serious stuff here. Come on. Brought to you by Scientists R Us. This is a there real no question, dude. Did little... you guys just see that hit and run? <laughs> Uh, Have we checked everybody's colorblindness? On no, scale? I just had this. Ex- I can test for that. We're gonna is it, we're gonna go off track real quick. Okay. I just we were sitting at uh, at dinner with Chase Salisbury and his wife. Big ups, Chase. Yeah, big ups, Chase. Real smart kids. Let me tell you what. You ask him what a flat Earth is, he'll be blown away. <laughs> uh, and his wife was like, "Oh, Chase is colorblind. Chase is in fact colorblind." So we all had a good laugh at his expense, as you should. Naturally, You yes. should obviously make fun of people with a disability. Wait a second. Is this making fun of Chase, or is this making fun of people who can't see colors? Because if it's Chase, then I'm on board. It was both. <laughs> you know, it's, you know. In uh, midway, I was like, oh, I'll take a colorblind test. Long story short, I'm colorblind. So the joke, really? I'm partially colorblind. The you joke was on me. Guy. I was going, yeah, exactly. I was going through, and I was like, the fuck are all of these things with no numbers? And Janet, my girlfriend, leans over and she's like, that's a two. And I was like, a two? You stop with your crazy ideas. Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast universe, I will now be holding up random colors on my phone from here on out and just testing whether or not that works. What color is this? So this is why I changed it. It's it's Ed and Neil observe. Neil observes a blue Camry. Ed observes a red Tahoe. Thank you. Logan observes uh, an arbitrary color. <laughs> and Did anybody see that shade of gray Malibu driving by? Because that is unbelievably wrong for him to hit that car or her. We don't know. He's, he's spouting conspiracy theories at this point. Did you see that fucking UFO? This is mind-blowing, guys. The earth is flat. So It hovered. I saw it. And it accelerated at an incredible rate of speed. Okay, go on. They're gonna uncover it soon. So the so so there's beige gray. Okay. There's red and there's blue. I'm at, back on the topic. Come on, what is this? A beer conversation? Back on the topic. On many in conversation. You guys are both rational actors, and right. you're both acting honestly. Right. That's the only caveat. That means that you and your Neil, I'm playing Neil, and his best beliefs really thinks it was blue in a Camry. Ed really thinks it was red in a Tahoe. Okay. The only possible option in an Omenian conversation, as far as I understand it, and this is what scientists do, we add caveats to everything, is that you guys will go back and forth because you're both rational and honest. You'll hear the evidence and you'll say, oh, well, I believe you're rational and honest. Therefore, there must be truth to your position. You'll flip-flop and you'll go back and forth until you meet in the middle. Maybe it was a blue Tahoe, maybe it was a red camera. But it must be one or the other. So you'll meet in the middle of their number of observations. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Exactly. So in this case, that is two being color and make of car. Right. And okay. they're 
could probably be more to it, etc. Okay. Um, and I can't say that Eddie's wrong because he has glasses on, right? Exactly. Is that is that a? Well, you got a big scratch on one of them. So oh, well, see, yeah, you get, there you, you go. You take, into, you take into account all, right. all information. Can I get N equals two and a half. Yeah, you take into account all, all right. information. Are half integers real now or no? You take into account all information in the system, and once you once you level it down. Okay, I can accurately state that I really rationally and honestly believe it's red and tallow, blue and a candle. You guys will end up in the middle. It is marvelous that you can have this experience and witness it, particularly in math and also in science to some extent, but more so in math. You will, like, I've literally observed people be like, yeah, here's my opinion, here's my opinion, and then flip-flop. And it totally ex- holds the other person's opinion or some version of it. And flip-flop back and forth, back and forth, and it'll meet in the middle. I've literally observed this. Yeah. Happened earlier this week. <laughs> there you go. So, yes. Can you give your anecdote on that? Well, we both saw this hit and run. Yeah. I, it... <laughs> I mean, it was just a... If you say it wasn't a red Tahoe. <laughs> it was not a red Tahoe. It was a blue Camry. Come on. Can we go with mid-beige Malibu? <laughs> no, no. It's got to be a purple, like, CRV or something like that. Because... Okay, there was the a green horse in Atlanta. What did crush the car? Well, what was the well, I mean, it was, it was just basically trying to diagnose a, a bug within our system and, and saying, "Well, I think I think it's this, and somebody else thinks it's this, and, and in the end, it's probably a combination of both." Because you know, inherently in science, a lot of times there's there's levels of gray, there's shades of gray, and so there's not really an absolute right. answer a lot of times, which is one of the difficulties. I was kind of thinking about that earlier in, in trying to explain to people, you know, hey, you know, this is true. We say, well, we think this is true because of all this evidence. Um, and if we have enough evidence counter to that, then, well, maybe we'll change our opinion. Right. You know. I take the grossly unpopular opinion, especially among scientists, but probably amongst philosophers as well, that humans are fundamentally a flawed uh, measurement device. So any great I would agree with parties. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm a real. Cheer. If you guys want to book me, you know, contact me. I'll Motivational show up. Motivational speaker here. Yeah. <laughs> Graduated high school. Did you really? Uh, my my perception is that we are flawed measurement devices, and that every every theory or every fact that we make is inherently flawed because it was made by something that had to perceive it in a flawed manner. So this is a very philosophical point that we don't have objective truths. Or to put it in a better, more maybe more uh, relatable way, was it, uh, what was the thing, the audio thing? There's the dress one, the blue or the gold dress. Oh, the, uh, oh what was it? But what was the audio? Wow, wow. It's two names. If you play... I can't remember what it was. Wizard of Oz backwards or Pink Floyd backwards? <laughs> no, it was not no, that. To, right, no. That involves... The devil was talking to you? Is right. that Laurel, Laurel and something? Laurel and... Yeah. Whatever it was. Laurel and something. There is... From a... I'm going to state something crazy. If anyone listens to this, I'd love for you to challenge me and email me. But I would state that from Are you a trying human... to make friends via podcast right now? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just really I'd lonely. love for you to email me. We can hang out, grab beers... <laughs> Because this, uh, we're definitely not doing yeah. this. this. Uh, that there is no objective truth to it. There is an objective truth in like the reality of the universe, but humans are not perceiving that objective truth. We're perceiving things through whatever our perception is, and we make theories about it, 
we make theories about the universe and about science, and we describe things, but it's a description. Okay, so, for not putting things in a box, or not like, which this is putting in a box, and not, I don't want this question to be something like, uh, like a typical scientist, there needs to be an answer, there needs to be a finality to it, but what's your end game in that thinking? My but here's what I'm saying. You can accomplish wonderful things by saying we see everything from an inherently flawed lens, therefore you create a theory, and in that theory you may or may not be right to some component of that, and you're now absolved from the oh shit it was wrong because of course you're looking at it through a, a incorrect lens. You've got aberration for the optics speak of your point of view on that. There you go. I'm patting this stuff all day, copyright coining it. If you want T-shirts, they're on sale next week. Okay. But here's my thing, because I'm thinking about this. I think about this from the perspective of how I do my work, right? I can ruminate and scrutinize and pull it down to a factor and and work uh, work a fit out to the to the exact dimension or polish a part out until I'm sub angstrom. You know what I mean? Like at some point, what's the end game? You know what I mean? What is your what is your Unease or difficulty with the fact that we look at things through a veil of ignorance. Or I, I'm going to tell you. Incorrect lens. I'm going to guide this to a conversation we absolutely will not answer tonight. Okay. <laughs> and I would posit we will not answer. If this, if this goes into a, a God conversation again, I'm going to have a really tough time. It's going into religion. We did this the last time. No. Yes, we did. You and I? No, at the last meeting. It was yeah, like, but that never got posted. So no one else went through this. Because we went to the religion after 30 minutes. Oh, right, all right, all right. Keep well, going. Okay, okay, so... so Keep going. Not so that I, have, I don't want to. I'm just oh, telling so, you so I've one that issue. we did this twice already. I, I'm going to divert the conversation maybe for the better. Um, and I have one issue with this. The issue is that... You know, in, in a lot of conversations, a lot of equations and, and formulas and things like that, there's what um, I'll call the um, universal fudge factor. Yeah. This kind of this offset of like, well, we think it's offset by this much. So like, you know, if you, I you know, I don't know, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but you know, there's always this kind of fudge factor and, and this error that you can account for. But then there's all these equations that have been more or less proven. By humans, again, flawed accordingly, um, had, but they've been proven more or less true, such as like Newton's second law, F equals MA, very classic equation, e equals MC squared. You know, these very solid, there's no room for wiggle really, you know. How do you account for that, I guess? How do I account yeah. for it? <laughs> it, is, it is a little challenging, but... Me? Yes, You're you. You're asking me? <laughs> what? You're a representative uh, of Did you voice? just curtsy at a table? It's been <laughs> impressive. I did, yeah. And I tipped my fedora while I did it. <laughs> uh, Backwards fedora. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would say that it's good enough. I would pull the Matt Dubin. Close enough for government work? That's Professor Matt Dubin. That's kind of where I was driving with my, my original challenge to you. Let's wait till this... <laughs> this really obnoxious car. car. <laughs> I heard a I heard a talk uh, by God. What is his name? Jeff Goldblum. No, <laughs> it's not Jeff Bezos either. Fuck Jeff Bezos. If you're listening, Jeff Bezos, fuck you. Right? What do you have against him? I don't know. He's fuck him. I don't know. You can't. Whatever. 
I just got more money. I'm not into I'm significant. He's another billionaire, but I don't know his last name. He's not obviously not as billionaire as Jeff Bezos. He's the guy who made Priceline and the ticket kiosk at the airport. Okay. That guy. I'll, here, hold on. What? I'm going to put whoever this, I'll look it up, I'll put it into the, yeah, uh, link, link in the podcast. He's actually, he's a good dude. I, I met him. Unlike he's that Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Fuck, I, don't, I never met him, but he wears vests, and I can't trust guys in vests. Exactly. Yeah. All the podcasts are with vests on. What, do your him. arms never get cold? <laughs> yeah, right? Come on, now. Extremities. He made this analogy when he was an engineer, and it kind of, it's resonated with me since I heard him talk, and... I could give a shit that he owns billions of dollars. Yes, his airport kiosks are great. Thank you very much for that, but not super challenging. But he made a good engineering point, right? And it's helped me in my work, which is to not, like, find the answer, find perfect, right? I'm a perfectionist. He just said, done is better than perfect. And it was this kind of sweet little quip to say, yeah, at some point, we got to find an end game. As an engineer, as even as a scientist, I could argue Done is better than perfect, meaning put something out there, you know, do your best to be rigorous, do your best to do an appropriate experiment or uh, run through, throughput analysis, something of your, whatever it is you're doing, but at some point put it out there and put it out there mostly for the perspective of, we have now a hovering dragonfly, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen, excellent, it floated away. <laughs> All of us got distracted. Put it out there for the exact thing that we do with science is peer review, scrutiny and yes. criticism, and more yes. brilliant minds looking at it to say, yes, you neglected something, maybe this is different, I can add to it, Yes. done becomes better and than perfect. And this is what I was trying to get to. I won't bring God into it, you know. What Good choice. Is, Leave him out, you know, Jesus. Not Jesus. Leave him out, too. <laughs> Praise be. Uh, <laughs> um, that, you, Neil, you, you posited the question, uh, when is it good enough, right? I think. It was more ready, but yeah. Okay, well, my point well, is... Thanks for that. My point is that... in the football off all at once here, but okay. E equals MC squared is totally good enough for me. Or F equals MA... Uh, unless I'm dealing with quantum mechanics, then I'll start learning. Or quantum. something moving really fast. Right. <laughs> or relativistic physics. Uh, it's all good enough, but you know what? My research is on uh, metrology of mirrors. So by and large, it's all good Big enough mirrors. to me. Big mirrors. Let's not even talk about those <laughs> teeny weeny little useless mirrors. Uh, hey, some people work on small mirrors. Just saying. Yeah, okay, you know. It's, it's, There's a place for it's this, okay. too. It's okay. You guys do important stuff, too. Sure. Uh, it's all good to me. It's all good. I accept it. Whatever. I, the I ex- first and last optics beer podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the all the small mirror folks are starting a new podcast <laughs> down the street. We're out of here. Weird. How come no one texts me anymore? <laughs> uh, it's all acceptable to me under the scope of like, yeah, well, it's science. Anything that falls under metrology and very specifically deflectometry for me is not acceptable to me. I will rigorously study it and see how it can be made better, what flaws there are, what flaws there are in my work, there are tons, and how it can be made better. Understanding that there are also, like you said, super smart people looking at fundamental physics equations or math or anything and saying like, oh, here's the, here's the preeminent theory, how can I make it better? The reason I bring this up is that we all started from, oh yeah, the Earth is flat. 
right? We right. all started from like, oh yeah, there are Greek gods or Egyptian gods, and if you do this dance, it will rain. Or sometimes rain. Basically, it's gonna happen. Though, yeah, guess. or whatever. So like, <laughs> so so to me, that is fundamentally science. That is fundamentally science. This animal behavior and this like primate and more specifically human behavior of like, holy shit, I'm in a crazy, crazy, crazy reality. I'd love to understand it better. I'm going to throw out ideas. So we we often discuss about this podcast and what we want it to be and what we're trying to cater it to. If you don't mind a difficult question now that's going to be personal, but related to the podcast and what I want to relate this to is... I mind dearly. Don't ask yes. it. You yeah, know, just yeah. leave it. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. And now we know our curator is soft on his own personal steps. No, no, it's Logan Graves. Soft on science. Big on big mirrors. <laughs> what, um, what place did your original postulate of this question come from then? And I would ask this question. Does your statement of, I believe that humans are indeed a flawed observer or a flawed measurement device, I believe is the word that you use. Is that coming from a place of uncertainty, of fear? Do you find that in your own work? By asking, am I indeed looking at this problem correctly? Am I indeed doing what I define myself as as a scientist? Is, is that indeed correct? Or do I now get the ability to say, it's okay if I'm wrong because it lessens that fear of indeed being wrong. Because I would suggest that my struggle as a scientist sometimes is saying I am in that constant uh, state of flux going, I don't want to be wrong. I want this to be, I would like this, the data set to fit. I would like this to be correct. I would like this experiment to work out correctly. Because I don't want to feel like I'm a failure. I don't want to feel like I'm misleading myself or I'm interpreting objectively the world wrong right? or influencing my opinion. So I'm curious as to where your your, pop, your your question, your original question came from. So I think that if I had any hangers on to this podcast, uh, it might have been religious people, and I will surely scare them away with this. The way that I, for context, I went to Catholic school for eight years. I'm quite well versed in Catholicism. Um, That's the reason I didn't want to go over to God with you. Also raised Catholic, so I'm like, please not. <laughs> don't bring it up. I can't be hitting the knuckles enough times that I don't want to hear it anymore. Listen, if you don't have the body of Christ Jesus. and the blood of Christ, we're not having this conversation. Well, I've been drinking a lot of the body of Christ today. <laughs> uh, or the blood of Christ. No, that, that's different. That's wine. Fine idea. Fine. The podcasters don't know that. You ruined it. <laughs> Drinking beer. They need to know. Neil's a narc, and you narc at everybody. Uh, I'm also Catholic. <laughs> My, my, I read a crazy book, uh, and I will, and it's very readable. I will also link it in the podcast. WWJD question mark. Yeah. If, if, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's called the Bible. Uh, <laughs> also known as WWJD. It'd be, it'd be nice and ironic if you posted like the King James Bible. AKA the word of God, AKA. Uh, I read a book that was... How did we get three Catholic scientists at <laughs> This is somewhat mind-blowing, actually. Where's the p-value on this? All right, answer this question. I keep that I am not still Catholic. Uh, I read a book that just talks about how fundamentally we are we are evolved primates. 
and it talks a lot about like our lower level brain structures and our neurochemicals and what drives us to feel how we feel. So maybe not to act how we act, but what drives us to feel how we feel. And it was really great. It really uh, turned around my perception about a lot of things. So the way that I view it is that we are, I think it's a Bill Burr joke, maybe. Uh, I don't take my word on that, that basically like we are a bunch of apes on a big piece of rock spinning through space at high speed. Uh, and we feel really self-important about it. And we previously used uh, religion to describe like, oh yeah, this is how the universe works. This is what it is. Uh, this is how you should act because this is how it is. It's a very comfortable space to stay in. I'm going to pause and cut it out because of cause the, the noise levels. Yeah. So you buy a car, and then you do some other shit. <laughs> All right, we're back. Uh, sorry for the break. It's going to be a jump. I was stating that uh, I had read a book that we are primates. First book. First book. Just preface: we you can't read. You're getting better at it. Yeah, well, I'm trying to learn to read, uh, and what I have, what I, what I figured out from this is yes. After the hour, we've all gotten through some beers. <laughs> uh, we're primates. We're we're driven by neurochemicals. We don't have as much free free will as we think. But fine, fair enough. But my perception of it, the only reason I was bringing, the only reason I was bringing religion into this is that I view historically religion as a pursuit of understanding the universe. Stuff's happening, holy shit, how do we explain it? And I view that currently we have science as a better way of understanding the universe. And what science is, is that we observe something, we test it, we repeat the test, and we repeat the test and say, oh yeah, that describes it pretty well. Well, the second the second split of our podcast, which will touch on scientists and religion, which might be an interesting secondary podcast, and that'll be a second one, right? Which we can do. What would be kind of sweet tie-in where we started from from your last point there, where you wanted to drive is, we spoke from the perspective that someone who is interested in science in general, whether it be uh, confirmed science or you know. Uh, general opinion is approaching another career practice scientist with a theory or postulate or question and then how do you handle said things we came to a very simple and quite interesting postulate to maybe say we instill some of the passion of being a scientist onto that person who may have asked us the question and ask tell us your testing methods and, and introduce the idea of equal conversation another next step of what you just said what would be interesting is how do you now then introduce conversations of science to those who are more slanted towards religion and faith-based belief than rigorous rational uh prove it by observation belief right and in that case does our conversation or tone or approach as a scientist change for 
what we're trying to, I think, ultimately achieve is kind of this common-level understanding, or critical thinkers. And that part is quite interesting and quite uh, difficult at this point, I think, to, 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 to answer, but still also exciting at the same time. Well... And I'd like to explore it in a later podcast. Uh, I was talking about this with another friend of mine today that I have a very, and and we touched upon it, I touched upon it today, that I have a very big fear that public, uh, the public in general holds science or quote science as an absolute truth. And that's like a big worry for me. They hold it that like I read cancer is cured or, or, I have found an article that the Earth is flat. Scientists prove the Earth is flat, or scientists prove uh, that vaccines cause autism, or that global warming isn't real, or whatever. Whatever. Right? The difficulty in that, too, is that changing your opinion then becomes a sign of weakness, and a sign of, you know, maybe you don't actually know anything. Even though you're just really, instead... Of not knowing things, you're really just updating what you think you know based on what you observe, right? Which is completely different. And to to put my statement in a little bit of context, we my perception is that we are all basically pretty smart apes, and it's all kind of silly that we're apes running. That around might be and, the best compliment I've received in probably a yeah. Month well, or two. you know, maybe a year. I'm not actually sure. You just don't receive many compliments in the is that what you've picked up on that stuff? <laughs> I think that's what that stuff, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's just, it's silly to me and absurd. It, like, we are in the most fantastic, insane situation ever. We're alive and we get to observe reality, and it's fantastic. It's amazing. What a it, nerd. What a, what a fucking loser. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, fuck, read some, read some fucking literature. Uh, we gotta get past that first book, right? Yeah, well, learn to read. And Super then smart, hey, get past the first book, right? And turn your bowler back around. But, right? like, it's, it's just, it's just fantastic. But it turns 70 degrees this whole conversation. It's bugging the shit out of me. It's just fantastic and, and amazing. And it's funny to me that, like, science, in my understanding, science to me is like, wow, things are happening. How can we explain it? How can we better understand it? And how can we say, like, like I mean, at the base level, oh, wow, I threw a rock and up and it hit me? <laughs> Holy shit, if I do that again, would it happen? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then we evolve and we get better and better theories and ideas, x equals mc squared, etc. And that, it, like, fundamentally, it's exciting <laughs> that that motorcycle drove by really got me excited. Incorrect. 64 Dodge Dart. Uh, right. Of course. Of course. Damn but fundamentally it's exciting it when to, to be to, to that all of us as like smart primates look around and we're like, holy shit, this is amazing. How do I explain it? And some of us might say like, oh wow, uh, I'm working on how do you better image stuff with a CT scan. Some of us are working on how do you better perform metrology on mirrors. Some of us are working on a myriad of projects. Uh, Whatever only, Eddie does. I don't know. Only yeah. one of which is related or uh, to to vision. Um, maybe more of them are. <laughs> does, does he know even? Yeah, he is an actor. Yeah. And some of us are saying like, oh man, I really think the earth is flat or, or whatever. And that's all great. That's all curiosity and inquisitiveness and what it boils down to is having critical thinking and having a discussion. 
<laughs> and maybe if we're willing to listen, we all become slightly smarter apes. Yeah. And and we all recognize, like, yeah, we're all just inquisitive apes. And it's great to have that conversation. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Do you guys have any concluding remarks? If you fucking say anything more about me not being able to read, you know what? I'll lose my mind. I guess I'm a little... I'm kind of happy, I guess, in this podcast that, that we, you know, maybe have, uh, through discussion, found a new way to approach what are almost everyday problems. You know, I call my brother, I call my sister, my parents, and I have all kinds of folks that talk to me about certain things, and maybe I have a new perspective now on what am I actually talking about? What are, right. why, how do I treat those kind of things? And uh, What role do I still need to work on as a scientist to to, to promote positivity in the world, promote uh, critical thinking, promote a better, more clear life so that everyone can get by with these and not feel the complexities of the world there. It's it's really nice to actually kind of get to that point. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, almost lose a friend over the fact that they just started reading. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite content over our, our podcast and, you know, maybe it's a... Maybe it's the first step of, yeah, a couple of beers and some conversation does some scientists some, some good in the world. Yeah. Um, and a hooked on phonics subscription. <laughs> sure. It's going to keep coming back to that. Hey, dude, you know, I just bought Reading Rabbit, right? It's I'm going to get through it. Uh, Neil, do you have any less snarky things to add? <laughs> well, I might be out then. Um, I mean, the only thing that, the one thing that I'm thinking of is, you know, you can understand something very well reading books about it and trying to plot on your own. And once you try to teach somebody about it and, and try to actually learn them something good, to, <laughs> to put it colloquially, colloquially um, you actually do start to understand things on a deeper level. And in some ways, yeah, it's helpful to, to get these um, skeptical, these contradicting questions from you know, anybody. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my parents have asked questions about my research that has led to like like leaps forward in my yeah. thinking about it. Um, so yeah, don't ever don't ever discourage questions. I would say, which I think that I now know the title of this uh, podcast. It's going to be discuss, don't lecture. Ooh. I think that's a good a good one for Ooh. this episode, at the very least. Okay. And the podcast title overall is going to be Three Catholics and a Couple Beers. <laughs> and with that, I will close it. 